Sorry, old sport, I thought you knew. This is the OK Gatsby colon, is Nick Carraway gay or what? That's I figured the subtitle of the <laughs> podcast would be. Yeah, this is our exploration of mainly that. <laughs> OK, 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 OK. Hey, 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 Gatsby heads. Welcome back for another episode of OK Gatsby. My name is Terrence Hartnett. I'm Kevin Lapkovich. Alongside me, as always, is Kevin Lapkovich. <laughs> well, well. All right. We're already redundant. <laughs> <laughs> as always. Redundant as always. Oh, we said it twice. Redundant <laughs> as always. Uh, three times. There we and go. We're talking course. about chapter eight uh, this week or this episode. You don't have to listen to it one, one a week. <laughs> you can listen to it all the <laughs> way through if you'd like. Stay tuned for next week's episode. <laughs> if you choose it to be next week, you could, could, This is on you. Could Flex be next time. Next hour's episode. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. All right, but this is um, this is the big, the natural conclusion of all that was happening. Oof. And that's the thing we're about. That I complain a little bit of the, about the plot, but Gatsby had to die. Yep, we're gonna. Da- Gatsby's gonna die, gonna die. And that was just like it had to happen. <laughs> he has. He's the tragic hero. Just structurally. Of what he's trying to accomplish with this book, Gatsby has to die. Um, but it starts off with a very subtle detail. I couldn't sleep all night. A foghorn was groaning incessantly on the sound. So it's foggy out. Just a subtle hint of what it's like at night. But also that means like subtly this might mean that this is a foggy memory. Foggy memory. You said two. It's two. Two years in the future. He's writing yeah, this stuff he down. Said, he said this uh, next chapter. He says was happened two years ago. So this whole book, with all its details, is vividly remembered from a perspective of an alcoholic's memory <laughs> of two years ago. Kevin, this guy has only been drunk twice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he keeps saying that. Have some respect. Um, uh, is so that a foghorn? Yeah. Thank that's you. A foghorn. Uh, so. Gatsby comes, so Nick can't sleep, waits for Gatsby to come home. Uh, so this is early in the morning. So, because uh, Gatsby says, nothing happened, he said wanly. I waited, and about 4 o'clock, she came to the window and stood there for a minute and then turned out the light. So that is, like, it. That's her, like, looking out and thinking about what she did. It's over. And then the light literally goes out. It's over. The but, light goes out. Yeah, literally, she should have just gone down to the dock and like covered the green light. I mean, like, come on, yeah, smash so the green light heavy. bulb with a with a hammer. And it <laughs> says this house never seemed so enormous to me as it did that night. So houses are a huge part of this chapter. Yes, Gatsby's house. They keep walking through, and Daisy's house is vividly described. Yeah, I like this. Uh, I like this uh, Nick Gatsby uh, sad sad hang. It's like you know yeah. what I mean. It's like when you're hungover with your buddy or something. Yeah, or like, your buddy just got dumped, and you both get yeah. drunk, and then yeah. you wake up, and, you just, and you're like, oh, man, I'm sorry about all that. Yeah. You, you could talk about whatever. Like, it means something to they hang out. They might as out. well have, like, gotten a pizza, too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, sad, but they're together. This, this to me, is, like, one of the most friendly they are. Yeah, the, probably the most intimate. Intimate, for sure, yeah. Of just, Gatsby tells him everything, and he listens. Yeah, so they're like looking around for looking for cigarettes. They kind of like they kind of they kind they're kind of glancing into rooms, you might say. Remember uh, yeah. a couple of chapters back, they're glancing into rooms. Yeah. And then so it's at this point, which is interesting. It's at this point that Gatsby is telling Nick all about that Dan Cody stuff, which we learned about in chapter 6. Yeah, so you made a good point is that this is the night so Nick doesn't know about Dan Cody until after Myrtle's death. Yeah. But he brings up all that information, chapter six, which is right before the party that Daisy goes to, which is a few weeks before this moment. Yeah, and I guess, and we we were talking. I guess it's like it's you think it's maybe in response to the reporter coming and kind of like asking about because Gatsby's so buzzing, being buzzed about. The reporter just comes and goes. Do you have anything to, to say? Any statement at all? And then there's there's a talk of the rumors about Gatsby, and then to clear up those rumors, Nick inserts into that chapter the story of Dan Cody. Yes, it's interesting. Like he, so Nick. So the, the the idea is that Nick, as a character and narrator, is deciding when we get information. Yes, and so he's making literary decisions. This narrator, Nick, right? Exactly. He's he he's affecting. He says he's he was quite literary in college. So, like, <laughs> and there's the, the three types of uh, narrators where it's like you or narrator audience relationship, where it's like you know more than the characters. 
characters know more than you or you know the same amount as the characters. And so it was important for Nick that we all knew more than the characters. Yeah, we always know more than the characters. And he even we even know more than Nick at points, right? So So the fact that Nick puts that story of Dan Cody before the big party and before the hotel um, hotel scene Myrtle's death. Yeah. Before Myrtle's death, we're getting all of that early. And I just want I just kinda wondered what you think about that decision or like what's the why what does that do, you know? One I think for chapter six it represents that Daisy is unimpressed with this seventeen year old's uh vision of what he wanted his life to be. Uh, yeah. Gats- she meets Gatsby like five so he's twenty five when he when she meets Gatsby and in this in this chapter it's revealed that he just basically lied and it's like, yeah, I'm also old money. He might as well have said those words. Right. <laughs> um, so that's who she loved. A man, a soldier who was impressive because he was like a high-ranking soldier that she thought was old money. Yeah. And then Gatsby at the party finally gets a chance to show Daisy who he wanted to be. This is it. This is what I've done Which for is you. like this rich man who throws lavish parties, dresses well, and Daisy is unimpressed. But Nick... Is like you should be impressed because look how far he came. He was right. a poor farmer, then he was a clam fisherman. Yeah, he was a sailor. The reader should be impressed, right? Because at that point, Nick and Daisy don't have this information about Dan Cody or that are really his past, right? Yeah. So, so Nick is trying to like get us on Gatsby's side. The for platonic this moment. Yeah. Yeah. The platonic um, idea of himself kind of talk. This man's brought himself up from nothing, and he's gotten to here, this party. He's showing yeah, Daisy this stuff. This is what this man's been working for for the last five years. And yeah. Nick is like, what a – like, Nick is always impressed. Even then, he he <laughs> says he's not – in the like, literally says he doesn't like him. I love it, yeah. Uh, but that – I think that's put in there to say, like, hey, this is five years in the making, or and it's 13 years in the making from a 17-year-old perspective. It's right. this moment. Right. Of, Finding the perfect rich woman that he always wanted uh, to show his bachelor cool lifestyle to so she can feel loved. Yeah. And it doesn't go well. So that's just put there to be like, hey, this is a tragedy that a a very hardworking man worked so hard for and it fell apart. It fell apart at that party. That that could have been the... Like, if you were a real hipster, you could be like, that's the climax of the book, is her not liking the party. <laughs> I, th- I agree, right? Because she, if she's charmed, that's that sells that's her, it. that party. Yeah. That's it. She stays <clears throat> at the party. She stays with Gatsby. She doesn't even go home with Tom. But she just wanted, yeah, she wanted she to wanted sneak away. She wanted to get away. out there. She had yeah. to get back to East Egg because the West Egg was unpleasant to her. Yeah. I think one other thing this does, this narrative, uh, the, it, infusing this narrative earlier in the in the novel, in the account that Nick is giving us, I guess it, it it heads off the hotel scene so that as readers we're getting information before Tom reveals the information about Gatsby, which yeah. happened happened last chapter. We cause so we know it's true when Tom's making these accusations, and we right and but and we know that there's a little bit more to it, and he's not just we're a liar. still on Gatsby's side, yes. but we're not gonna just like oh Tom's making up lies. Right, exactly. We know that Tom is telling at least part of the actual real ugly truth. Uh, but that's also something I thought about is Nick is finding that out as Tom's accusing Gatsby. Like, right. So right when we're reading that, and, and we didn't really talk about this, is that Nick at that point isn't sure what's exactly true. And so Tom's accusations, like as much as like Nick doesn't like Tom, it's like that might be true, and like I don't know. So yeah. this is Nick's like final like I know everything about Gatsby now. But still, without knowing this stuff. So he didn't know any of the stuff when he went over that morning after the murder. Like so, like yeah. that's how how on Gatsby's side is Nick. How under his spell yeah, is Nick he, to go there, over? There's mystery about who he is, and he's still like, I I like Gatsby. I gotta go over there, even though he says he doesn't like Gatsby. Yeah, and I think the narrative thing allows us to even not appreciate that. We have to kind of dig this deep to appreciate how how infatuated Nick is with Gatsby. Yes, how involved, right? Uh, that's why I love this line, but just how he introduces it. It was this night that he told me the strange story of his youth with Dan Cody. Told it to me because, in quotes, Jay Gatsby had broken up like glass against Tom's hard malice, and the long, secret extravaganza was played out. <laughs> I mean, how many times in your life have you had a long, secret extravaganza? <laughs> <laughs> I can count on one hand, you know? Yeah. Three-word phrase, Fitzgerald's, I think it's Fitzgerald's signature. Is this the, these these three 
three adjectives put together or two adjectives never really put together before and yeah it's like, and it's like but they're simple like 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 wet human magic or these weird like you know like wild fervent hopes or like these i don't know these amazing little things yeah okay long secret extravaganza um just just next paragraph um she's the first nice girl he'd ever known um whenever you come in contact with such people uh always an indiscernible barbed wire between uh you know, so it's always been class distinction. Exactly. And real quick, there's just a quick description of his house. Rooms were musty as though they hadn't been aired for many days. And they're going through rooms trying to. So Nick is literally going over to Gatsby's house to like air out his rooms of his house, which <laughs> yeah. is the metaphor for Gatsby himself. He's like, come on, bud. Like, let's get you back on your feet. <laughs> yeah, let's get this thing back ship shape. But then uh, you mentioned the house, right? So here we get, we get a description of Daisy's house in Louisville. Yeah. All the ripe mystery of it. Quote unquote, ripe mystery. So the, the juxtaposition there is unmissable. It's the same page. Yeah. So he went to her house at first with other officers from Camp Taylor, then alone. It amazed him. He had never been in such a beautiful house before. But what gave it in an air of, which also kind of mirrors the, I've never seen such beautiful clothes before. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's always This book is always obsessed with the most beautiful thing. <laughs> the most. Uh, but what gave it an air of breathless intensity was that Daisy lived there. It was a, as casual a thing to her as its tent out camp was to him. So that's part of the charm. Is Daisy's so rich she doesn't care about her big house? She doesn't even care about it, right? She's she's, she's like, oh, it's just like your tent in the army. <laughs> she's numb to it, just like she's numb. Like we still see that in her character. Yeah. First chapter. She, she has to be it. protected by an enormous amount of money so she can re- remain charmingly numb to yeah literally everything. <laughs> Bourgeois nihilism. There was a ripe mystery about it, a hint of bedrooms upstairs more beautiful and cool than other bedrooms of gay and radiant activities taking place through its corridors, and of romances that were not musty and laid away already in lavender, but fresh and breathing and redolent of this year's shining motor cars and of dancing whose flowers were scarcely scarcely withered. So, boom, all that stuff was thrown at you. But basically, mystery. Everyone in this book loves mystery. Yeah. Mystery Gis- rumor. Gatsby's a mystery. Gatsby's rumors. Daisy's a mystery. Has he killed a man? That's yeah. what we're here to find out. What else we got here? I mean, like, we're getting more of the backstory of their love, you know, like maybe more from his side, I guess. You this know? is an interesting line. Exc- it excited him, too, that many men had already loved Daisy. It increased her value in his eyes. That does not compute with me. You know what I mean? Yeah, because the whole point was, like, <laughs> she can't have loved Tom. Yeah. And now, I think that means that he wanted. He basically tried to mark his territory, and his markings failed. <laughs> I think had loved her in the sense of like they, a lot of men had fallen in love with her. Yeah, right? they've been outside her window, being like, "Daisy, I love you, please." Yeah, he wants what other other people want, and and then he gets, and then he ends. Up, this is the guy, don't forget, with an amazing car, an amazing house, an amazing boat. Yeah, so he wants the girl everyone wants because that's wants the final wanted. prize to say, "Hey, I am the best of America." Yeah, you wanted it, I got it. Yeah. She's another. She's an object. She's it's materialist. His his love for her is materialist, right? Yeah, he definitely wants to have a trophy wife. Yeah, literally, like a yeah. In it's more the final crown on his path to greatness. Ugh. Yeah. So, but he knew that he was in Daisy's house by a colossal accident. So that's the whole thing. Like he's aware of the class distinctions, even though he lies about it to her. Yeah. He it, it can never forget him. He got him through the back door. Um. Let's see. And this is like. So he made the most of his time. He took what he could get, ravenously and unscrupulously. Eventually, he took Daisy one still October night, took her because he had no real right to touch her hand. Oh, boy. So that's like, so this is just like a poor guy's like, I got in the house. Uh, they yeah. believe me. I'm, I'm going to have fun until they kick me out. So yeah. that's what it was at first. Like, this poor kid just trying to have fun until they kick him out. Um, his fan trading on he had traded on his phantom millions. That's great. So, no, he, he he didn't trade on his phantom oh, millions. Oh, right. But he gave a mysterious charm. He had, but he had deliberately given Daisy a sense of security. I mean, yeah. He let her believe that he was a person from much the same stratum as herself. So Daisy, in our mind, Gatsby is also old money. Right. He's led her to believe that for sure. So that's ninety percent of her. That's like a huge contingent part of her romance with him. That this is another rich guy. Uh, but he obviously has no money. And this is also interesting. Is that. In my just perception of old society, so they have sex in 1918 or whatever. I suppose. He took her, yeah. Yeah. I, and then 
doesn't see her for two days and she isn't like because in my head in all movies it's like you kiss a girl before the 70s you have to marry her <laughs> i don't know I but mean, this book is full of like affairs and so like i know i think it's always been the same yeah it's all the same man. it's always been the same it's just been different levels of shame about it i think mm. well no who knows i think he just had to keep better secrets um yeah I like uh, she thought I knew a lot because I knew different things from yeah, her. Yeah, I highlighted that too. Fantastic. What was the use of doing great things if I could have a better time telling her what I was going to do? That's a big one for Huge. anyone who's anyone's been working very hard and is very ambitious and then meets a girl and you're like, oh, I was just empty before. And yeah. <laughs> now she's filling that hole that I yeah. had in my heart. Yeah, talking to her is so much about things is so much better than doing the things. Yeah, man. Oof. That's such a great, insightful line. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they have, like, a very lovely month. And that's the thing. This is a month. But a month, Jay. He has a month fling with yeah. a rich girl. Four years ago. And he builds his life around it. Yeah. Man, let's see. Yeah, he goes to the war. So it's true. Well, in this vulnerable state, he seems to be telling the truth. That's another thing is that Daisy or Gatsby's lied so much. Like, even this might be. Ooh. Like, it all rings true, but, like, none of it you could trust. And also, Nick is, like, also a flawed narrator. So. Yeah, I mean, it does ring true. I mean, like, I don't know. If we're going to believe anything, I guess, I think I think this is what you got to believe, right? It's like, he's already, he's totally, he's tired, he's exhausted. He, he, he lost. He lost. It's all over. I think that this is the most, uh, like, honest their friendship has ever been. Yeah. Because, um, like, honestly, all the information that we know is true. It's kind of, like dispensed in this in this chapter in in the events of this chapter yeah um there's more information that's given earlier but it's 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 all dispensed at this at this moment, hang this yeah. vulnerable moment yeah a um, sad bro hang yeah there's a quick thing about her. so daisy he can't come back that he even went to oxford at all as an accident like, yeah and now actually cost him the cost him daisy to go to oxford so yeah no so now he has to like really pretend he's proud of it just yeah because it really cost him the love of his life <laughs> Um, and in a way, his life. Um, so that's the point, kids. Don't go to Oxford. Don't go to Oxford. It'll cost you your life. Um, if you get into Oxford, please go to Oxford. <laughs> you should go. You yeah. should go. Um, it's beautiful. But Daisy's feeling the pressure of the world outside, and she wanted to see him and feel his presence beside her, and, and he reassured, and he'd be reassured that she was doing the right thing after all. So she tried to be faithful. Like she was like, "Hey, please come back. I need like people are pressuring me to get married." And yeah, she under a lot of pressure. A lot of like, there's a lot of expectations for somebody like her. I'm and sure. And that's fair. She is the prettiest girl in the richest neighborhood in a exactly. big city. Exactly. Yeah. She's basically a royalty. She's American. She's an American ar- aristocrat. You yeah. know. Um. And this leads us to the the idea the the shaping of her life, right? I mean, like it's a yeah. great insight that there's Nick a quick brings. Little thing. What do you got? They're Beale Street Blues. Oh, hit me. Yeah. Uh, Beale Street the, Blues is mentioned. I looked up the lyrics of Beale Street Blues, and and one of the verses ends like. Uh, and the businesses don't close till somebody dies. And so, like, those little things of he could have picked any song, but he right. picked a song where someone dies and, and everyone has to go closed. home. And I mean, like, and Wilson's business is uh, ostensibly closed. closed. <laughs> Daisy's or Gatsby's parties are over. Yeah. People go home. People, someone died, business is over. Right. Um, yeah, and then Gatsby's death, everyone goes home. Yeah, they for sure. They go never home. go to his house. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then. Daisy began to move again with the season. Suddenly, she was again keeping half a dozen dates a day with half a dozen men. So, like, she's like, all right, I, I waited for Jay long enough. She's really out, out on the town now. So, I was under the impression of, and I think I got it from the movie, that it just, like, seeped in there, that Gatsby was honest with her and was like, hey, I'm not I'm not rich. Give me, a, like, a yeah. couple years to make some money. And I think that was just in the movie and that. Yeah. Was always part of my memory as part of the book, but that's never part of the book. He's, He's like, I'm a rich guy. I'll come back. We'll get married. Yeah. He talked the talk first and then he went and got the money. So like, what was his plan to come back? I mean, to come back with the money without, he didn't have any money. Like, well, he had to go make the money. That was the whole thing. Right. But like, he didn't tell her that. Like he'd no. have to go there and he'd be like, marry me, Daisy. Also, I'm a very poor man. I right. literally have zero dollars. Well, I think that's what was the, f- I think that maybe, right. Doesn't he kind of seem like he, but he goes away and then Tom comes in and that's why 
that's why he stays away. It's not to make the money, ostensibly. No, right? he literally yeah. was like, I lo- like she's married to another man, and I can't see her. I can't find her. But he seems to understand entirely that he needs money in order to marry her. So he he actually like, and there's that interesting thing that he that's brought up by by Nick is that he sprung from his own platonic conception of himself, right? So he he was he gonna made make himself. that money. Yeah. It was he wasn't gonna make that money to get her. It was just a, uh, like there was also part of it is that he had yeah. to be, but he seemed like he was heading that direction anyway. A very ambitious guy. We see his dad. Uh, his dad. His dad. You know, brings that up later that he's been ambitious from the, for the very beginning. Yeah. Okay, but then Nick's judgment of Daisy's motivations. She wanted her life shaped now, immediately, and the decision must be made by some force of love, of money, of unquestionable practicality. That was close at hand. Some force that was close at hand. Love. Money, under unquestionable practicality. So Daisy, one is like her life to be. She wants her life to be shaped. She does not want to shape her life. Yes. She, and obviously, women are not well represented in this novel as like <laughs> agents uh, of their own life. Yeah. Well, one agents, but two like thoughtful, like kind. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. They're yeah. all very shallow in this book. Yes. Uh, so this is also Fitzgerald's judgment. C- could be like a sexist judgment, but Daisy seems to be like. Hey, I'm the prize. I want someone to win me and make my life. Right. That's yeah. That's what seems to be what she wants. Yeah. She doesn't. She doesn't. There's something about intentions last chapter that Daisy did not intend that or anything else. And uh, so Daisy never really has many intentions. Yeah. And we were talking about like if cats to be said like, hey, get in my car. I'm taking you to. We'll go to Los Angeles. That's where we'll live now. She right. would go. She like, would have just gone. She doesn't really. Yeah. But Gatsby asked her to say. Tom, I'm leaving you because I want to leave you. And she doesn't want to do anything. Right. She wants to be dragged along. Yeah. She, he, he asked her to be an agent in her life, and she Fell is apart. unable to. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, all right, I can't be with that man anymore. Right. Uh, but um, again, it's I think this is, this is Nick. Again, he, peer, he likes peering behind the mask, seeing how the gears are working in someone's personality. You know, he's done doing that for Daisy now. Yeah. And he's done it for Gatsby and Jordan and Tom before yeah, so that force took shape in the middle of the spring with the arrival of Tom Buchanan. Hey. There was a wholesome bulkiness about his person. <laughs> I love the phrase wholesome bulkiness. <laughs> That's such a way to describe a Midwestern man. <laughs> so or, a, or a Costco, you know, yeah. either one. About his person and his position, and Daisy was flattered. <laughs> Doubtless there was a certain struggle and a certain relief. The letter reached Gatsby while he was still at Oxford. A certain struggle and a certain relief. What? A, what <laughs> how else could you describe sex with, sex with Tom Buchanan? <laughs> <laughs> and like, ah, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> a certain relief. Okay, it's dawn now, so now the lights are coming up. So literally, a new day is dawning. Oh yeah. So it could be like, oh, now's your chance. Like, we'll start a new life. Um. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, did you did you highlight in any case it was just personal? Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't figure that. I, is that a joke or is that? I like, don't understand. Such an insane line. So he goes. Um, of course, she might have loved him just for a minute when they were first married and loved me more even then. Do you see? Suddenly, he came out with a curious remark. And in any case, he said it was just personal. What, what could you, you make, make of yet, that? Man? Except to suspect some f- intensity in his conception of the affair that couldn't be measured. Yeah. like So what do you he, make of that? Uh, so he sees his love of Gad- or Daisy... It's not even something personal. It seems like destiny, like a larger force than like little personalities. Like right. he sees himself as meant to be with Daisy. Yeah, I think it's bi- it's bigger than the people involved. So there was just one like human fallible moment that'll overcome because this is gonna happen. Yeah, that's the only way I can think of it. Yeah, because it is such a strange. Even Nick says like this is such a weird line. I love the yeah. He says a weird thing. It was only personal. That that must mean it's revealing that even even Nick is having trouble understanding it. So I think we're getting a glimpse into Gatsby's self conception. Yeah, and like it's really breaking up on the levels of insanity. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's his it's his uh, fatal flaw, right? Is this right that the fa- the fact that like. Yeah. Like your marriage, your love is of no consequence. It's only personal. Like you know, like we as gods on earth, yeah, are he's above a God those on things. Earth. Yeah, uh, he's obsessed with one object, yeah. and um, it will it destroys him. It's written in the stars, the fate. Yeah, yeah. and then he goes back to so war ends. He goes back to Louisville, uh, which is so sad. He's poor, lost 
the girl Oof. he loves and just walks around her hometown like the hometown that she uh, definitely is very well known in right the idea of the city itself even though she was gone from it was pervaded with a melancholy beauty so he even sees louisville as an extension of daisy yeah so just as daisy's house had always seemed to be more mysterious and gay than other houses so was the idea of the city itself even though she was gone from it was pervaded with a melancholy beauty so one her house is like better than all the other houses yeah so that's why he had to get the house that's better than all the other houses mm-hmm. um uh he loved feeling that if he had searched harder he might have found her so that's just more onto the point of like just keep trying and you'll get her and he keeps do- he does keep trying um and then he watches louisville go away when he gets on the train um so now it's nine o'clock so nine o'clock next there for five hours with Gatsby. <laughs> Early in the morning, like that kind of that kind of uh, four in the morning to nine in the morning. Nick yeah. is up late all the time in this novel. Yeah, Nick is a wild child. I mean, this is a, he's up early. He tried to sleep and he woke up, so he's kind of up early. But that you must be. They must. They're clearly very distressed. You know, like yeah. they're like they had freaking a big out. Day. They watched and saw a dead body, and he knows they're what panicking. Nick, who knows, responsible for killing a woman, and says nothing. I know. That's so like his honesty is very much like. He doesn't even like these people. He says they're a rotten bunch, and he protects every single one of them. He protects Gatsby. He does not like the he others. Doesn't, but he doesn't say that Gatsby or Daisy and Tom. He protects Tom. Never says Tom had an affair. With yeah. Him. He never says Daisy was driving the car. He never like. He just never gets involved in any yeah. sort of causing consequences, when literally a woman died. And yeah. Like who would have blamed him if he said, "Hey, look, I know what happened." And you might want to investigate this. Yeah, I don't. I didn't really think about that. Is that like, yeah, Nick behaves very irresponsibly in terms of the law and society. It's technically illegal if you know who committed a he's, murder. This guy and you is don't a, say. yeah, he's an accessory to murder. Um, um and then the uh, the uh, gardener comes by to deliver some foreshadowing for Mr. Gatsby. Yeah, I'm gonna drain the pool today, Mr. Gatsby. Leaves will start falling pretty soon, and then there's always trouble with the pipes. Don't do it today. Gatsby answered. He turned to me apologetically. You know, old sport, I have never used that pool all summer. It's like, yeah, man, it's not. <laughs> and you're about to, son. Yeah. And then uh. Nick says, 12 minutes to my train. But he says this. I didn't want to go to the city. I wasn't worth a decent stroke of work, but it was more than that. I didn't want to leave Gatsby. Oh. Uh. I missed that train and then another before I could get myself away. So he is like. He's staying there. He's like, I need to be around this man. He's there for him. Then he says, I'll call you up, I said finally. Do, old sport. I'll call you about noon. We walk slowly down the steps. I suppose Daisy will call too. Nope. No, like, (laughs) Gatsby still doesn't know that he lost. Dude. He looked at me anxiously as if he'd hoped I'd corroborate this. I suppose so. Well, goodbye. Nick saying what Gatsby wants to hear instead of the truth. Yeah, not, not being honest. Yeah. We shook hands, and I started away. Just before I reached the hedge, I remembered something and turned around. Ooh. They're a rotten crowd, I shouted across the lawn. You're worth the whole damn bunch put together. Do you think this is the thing he forgot in that other chapter? The the, the thing forgotten that forgotten said? There's that's a good, there's an argument he made for that. Because he, rem- I, he says he, I remembered something. Yeah. But like, what did he remember that made him go? They are terrible. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think I think also you could. It's 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 fair to say that like his conception of jo- of jo- of all three of them, Jordan, Jordan, Tom, and Daisy, changed that night. The hotel fight and yeah. the murder. Yeah. Um. I think that's fa- it'd be it'd be more than fair to say that that made him realize at least that they're a rotten crowd. Yes, and what's weird is that he doesn't really condemn Gatsby that much for the murder. That is very weird. Uh, but maybe it's only because he's willing to go down for it if it came to it, and that's m- slightly more noble. But it's still no. like, insane. I mean, like I think you're, I think you'd be totally wrong to think that he's at all weighing with any sort of like um, evenness. You know, yeah. the, the sins of Gatsby versus the sins of Tom and of, of Daisy. If he was, you know, he'd be. He he wouldn't go over. He condemned like, them all too. Yeah. It's the spell. I mean, like, that's the whole thing is that, like, you know, even though... Oh, right. So, like, right. Here's the... And the next sentence, very important. Um, it was the only compliment I ever gave him, right? Yeah. I've always been glad I said that. It was the only compliment I ever gave him because I disapproved of him from beginning to end. What? Yeah. Out of nowhere. Oh, it's by not the out way, of nowhere. I mean, so he, the... He does say he didn't like him in the last chapter. And also in the in the first chapter... 
Uh, Gatsby, he says, he says, Gatsby, who represented everything for which I have an unaffected scorn. But there's something strange. What is this? But the next sentence, he's like, uh, but somehow escapes my judgment or something like that. Oh, shoot. Yeah, let me grab that. Um, um, yeah. Only, Ga- like- only Gatsby, who gives his name to this book, was exempt from my reaction. Gatsby, who represented everything for which I have an unaffected scorn. Yeah. So... He says, like, it's the wild unknown men thing. He hates, he kind of hates um, being privy to those things. And then um, he's privy to everything from this most mysterious man. Yeah. And he seeks it out. He literally goes over there after the guy who basically committed murder and is like, tell me about your life, bud. I know. But I think, right, so he, but like, but like Nick's an empath. It's like some great narrator. Narrator, And the crazy thing is he tells you at the beginning, I'm going to be, I'm going to be scoping out all these people's characters. I'm going to be looking into their hearts, the hearts of these men. Uh, and I don't like it, except for Gatsby. I do like looking at him. Yeah. Like, it's like he's in love. You're in love. I mean, that's what love is. Looking, looking past someone's flaws. And yeah, obsessively anyway. looking past his flaws. Yeah. The way that Gatsby looked past Daisy's flaws. Love is the mental gymnastics of looking past someone's flaws. Yes, absolutely. But like, also, like, what a mean thing. Because you clearly are at his house at nine in the morning. Spent the night with right. him. I wanted to make sure he was okay. Like, called him a bunch of times to be like, are you okay? Are you okay? Disapproved of him from beginning to end? And also, if he did disapprove him from beginning to end, he's just like everyone else he hated at Gatsby's parties who hated him but drank his liquor. <laughs> right, he's one more crappy guest at your party who disappro- disapproves of you but approves of your party. Goes to every single party. Go to the party. Uh, drinks so much of his alcohol. Sell the People are selling stuff there. They're just taking advantage of him in every way. But, okay, so is this is this part of Nick... Nick's being an unreliable narrator is that like his actions don't reflect what he says. Like he says one thing that I disapprove of Gatsby. Yeah. He does another where he doesn't turn in Gatsby for murder. He tries to help him out as much as he can. He's there for him in this time of need. He's his only friend, only guy that goes to his funeral, all that stuff. Yeah. He contradicts himself constantly. He even says he's an honest man. And like honest people don't have to say that. <laughs> no, they don't. And right. And uh This is clearly he's like he might as well be saying this all to a psychiatrist. Like, that's, like, right. the only thing I could... Like, they the movie did a good job of being like, hey, let's put him in a mental institution talking about this. They made a choice, yeah. Which makes sense, yeah, because yeah. why else... Why is he writing this book? Yeah. I mean, like, this is enough to cause you to have a breakdown, right? Because almost no one knew about this guy. He moved back to the Midwest, where who cares about some Long Island rich guy who died? Right. Uh, it's two years ago, and, like, like what is it... Like, it clearly destroyed him in yeah. ways that the war did not. <laughs> yeah, war was okay. And he's gone through, he went through like four breakups in the span of this book. Yeah, none that, of those are important. None of them is important. Yeah. The um, bond business. And then I, like I, the I, I do like the line because uh, first he nodded politely and then his face broke into that radiant, radiant and understanding smile. Hey, oh. So that last time he sees that smile that charmed him so much. As if we'd been in ecstatic cahoots on that fact all the time. Come on, which is not true, right? As if like Gatsby, Gatsby knew that he's better than everyone. Or that they're all rotten. Yeah, do you think that? No, he did not think that. He definitely doesn't think uh, Daisy is rotten. He still doesn't think Daisy's rotten, even though Daisy seriously killed a person the night before. <laughs> yeah, and it's just gonna leave town to get away with it. Exactly. Uh, so it's just this. It's the it's the classic spell. I didn't realize how um well it was laid out. Like how well like Gatsby's charms are described. But they're also working on Nick, and Nick doesn't even know it. But Nick knows he has these charms, but he lets him... He acts like, oh, I'm above these charms. I dislike him. It's like, no, nope. man. Literally everything you do in this book... You poor guy. ...is bending to Gatsby's will. Yeah. He's not self-aware in that regard. Yeah. Uh, so Nick falls asleep at work, wakes up, and Jordan calls him. Oh. So here's another relationship ender. Yeah. Uh, she goes, I've left Daisy's house. I'm at Hempstead, and I'm going down to Southampton this afternoon. That's so so much East Coast town name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Hempstead. Southampton. Yeah, Southampton. Uh, probably had been tactful to leave Daisy's house, but the act annoyed me, and her, and her next remark made me rigid. You weren't so nice to me last night. And then he says, how could it have mattered, Pat? <laughs> <laughs> Silence for a moment, then. However, I want to see you. <laughs> I want to see you, too. Suppose I don't go to Southampton and come into town this afternoon. No, I don't think this afternoon. Very well. It's impossible this afternoon. Various... We talked like that for a while, and then abruptly we weren't talking any longer. I don't know which of us hung up with a sharp click, but I know I didn't care. Oh, I know who we, I know which one sh- hung up in a sharp click. It the, was Nick. The guy who said he didn't care. Yeah, it was you. 
so there's that. Yeah, why doesn't he remember this part? <laughs> oh, he. I think he does. He's just not being honest, right? I, I couldn't mean, have talked to her across the table that day if I had never talked to her again in this world. I couldn't have talked and to her. And then he called Gatsby's house a few minutes later. <laughs> so he literally breaks up with a girl and then goes calls his secret love. His secret love. I mean, hey, it's right there. But like, here's another relationship with a woman that he found comforted. Like literally, yeah. the last chapter, he's like, "I would just turn to thirty and scared, but there was Jordan Sand, and now I feel good." And yeah, then right. literally the next day, he's like, "Look, I'm never gonna talk to you ever again." Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, like, a, a, like the girl in Jersey City. You know what I mean? Just like kind of fizzled out, and he's it like, seems oh, I like left everything. Dr- he left everything drift away. Yeah. He is never dumped because he never cares that much. Bingo. The only person that ever caused him any emotional stress was Gatsby. Gatsby. Uh, so there's that. I drew a small circle around the 350 train. Like, that's such a small n- detail of a man, like, <laughs> s- literally circling the train that he's going to go to to make sure his best friend's all right. Yeah, he's going to make that train to get to Gatsby. Um, so was this where we get to – now we're kind of talking about now Wilson Now we here? get a – yeah, now we get the story of Wilson. So this is kind of another, another kind of narrative shift, and it's brought on by him, you know, passing – the place in the train and he moves over to the other side of the train, train. So he doesn't have to see all the yeah. people looking at it um now i want to go back a little and tell what happened at the garage after we left there the night before curious yeah because how does he know curious yeah um another narrative shift i think and with these narrative shifts like with these things jordan baker gets a turn kind of at like telling her perspective we get definitely get Gatsby's perspective um that's really it. And now we get a Greek guy's perspective. Yeah, and of course, you got to throw in... That, I said that in a weird way. Hey, whoa, what's <laughs> wrong with this? You get some Greek guy telling <laughs> us, what are you doing? Not in my neighborhood. Just kidding. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, Mickey Ellis <laughs> gets a time... Because, like, that leads me to think he investigated everything afterwards. It seems like he 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 interviewed some people. He went over all the steps of the of this day the same way Gatsby went back to Louisville. Like, Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Kind of pining after going the, through the ghosts of this moment, yeah. just trying to figure out what went wrong. That's a good parallel, yeah. So yeah, we get the we kind of get it through Mickey Alice's thing, and you had a thing about him being Greek, right? It's yeah, a Greek it's tragedy. a Greek tragedy. Greek tragedy. Um, yeah, Duh. they had. A, I like this part. They had difficulty in locating the sister Catherine. I uh, remember her from the affair chapter uh, with Tom. She must have broken her rule against drinking that night. For when she arrived, she was stupid with liquor and unable to understand that ambulance had already gone to Flushing. <laughs> When they convinced her of this, she immediately fainted, as if that was the intolerable part of the affair. <laughs> so these cops are just like, she's, her body's in Flushing, ma'am. And she's like, let me see my sister. It's like, she's in Flushing, Queens. And she's like, oh. Flushing? <laughs> flushing, Queens. Anywhere but Flushing. Oh, where the, the Mets play? <laughs> oh, God. Oy vey. Um, <laughs> so Mickey Alice basically takes over. He becomes so important part of this book. Yeah. Right at the end. Very interesting. It's an. In, I think it's a. I think it's like you know he's a narrative device or he's like a you know like a weird plot device. Yeah, it's just. I think it's also Fitzgerald just bumped into the limits of having Nick as a narrator. Yeah, yeah. So he's able to maintain this because like Mickey. Yeah, McGillis gets gets kind of some. He gets some insight into into Wilson's character and shit. Like he stuff. He knows like yeah, Mickey Ellis is. Uh, like like views of Wilson and he knows pieces of dialogue. Yeah. No. So let's see. So basically Wilson's having a mental breakdown, which is fair. His wife just got murdered. Totally fair. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Mickey Ellis is trying to get him to calm down. How long have you been married, George? 12 years. Um, ever had any children? Come on, George. Sit still. I, I asked you a question. Did you ever have any children? He doesn't answer this question. Very interesting. Yeah, they don't seem to have them, obviously. So he asks him if he has a church, and he asks him if he has children, and it's no to both. Yeah. And so Wilson is a working-class man without any of the anchors of working-class life. Right, yeah. No, yeah, you you brought up the church earlier, too, right? That Yeah, go on. Because uh, he says, uh, have you got a church you go to George, sometimes, George? Maybe even if you haven't been there for a long time, maybe you could call up the church and get a priest to come over. And he could talk to see you. And don't belong to any. You ought to have a church, George. For times like this, you must have gone to church once. That was a long time ago. So, like, church fun- function for the working class is this moment. Yes. Like you believe in God because it's a, a beautiful message and you want to go to heaven. Blah right. blah blah. But socially functioning, 
You go to church because then you belong to a church, and churches feel obligated to take care of their own. Right. They, take, they take care of the poor. Yeah, if, you, and if you're so freaking out. And so a man literally destroyed. Yeah. His life's destroyed. And also basic stuff where it's like husbands that never cooked now have to cook for themselves. Like, that seems to be a big thing. It's like churches, they'll... The casserole bring wa- Wives bring up yeah. lasagnas and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and Get so... Get fed. At, like, the church is always, like, subtly brought up, like, all throughout the novel. And this is the first time a guy's like, this is why you need church, yeah, fellow poor person. But also, and you mean also the kids are kind of are part of that too, like the kind of an anchor of working class life. Like you get, they give working class people a purpose in life too. Something to do. Church <laughs> gives them protection. Children give them a purpose, and he has neither of them. Yeah. So he's been a man who's just had the one thing in his life that he liked ripped away from him. Yeah. Oh man. So he he's nothing. literally poor beyond any means yeah and he's starting to figure out i mean that he, he's pretty sure about the affair right is, is this yeah, he, what's next yeah let's see i like wilson finds the <laughs> wilson finds the dog leash i don't know if i'm jumping yeah. too mickey far mickey else opened the draw the drawer and nearest his hand there was nothing in it but a small expensive dog leash made of leather and braided silver it was apparently new thank so this you is such a small thing that the dog leash from the dog that Probably he's dead now. Uh, to me, it's huge. This is the the revenge of the dog. I mean, uh, <laughs> there's something in the last chapter too. I don't want I don't want to tease it, but we we have like a little two part mini series here. Revenge of the dogs. Okay, this dog uh, was used as a little toy, a pawn for Tom and Myrtle at their love nest. They gave him dog biscuits and whatever. And guess what? He revealed the whole thing to. Yeah, the dog got his got his revenge. Exactly. Good. A little ten dollar dog. Uh, a mix of something and something. An Airedale, kind an of an Airedale. Airedale, kind of an Airedale, kind of not. A police dog, sure, sort of a police solves dog. solves the crime. <laughs> <laughs> Rough. Um, this is kind of fun. Um, so I found it yesterday afternoon. She tried to tell me about it, but I knew it was something funny. You mean your wife bought it? She had it wrapped in tissue paper on her bureau. Mickey Alice didn't see anything odd in that, and he gave Wilson a dozen reasons why his wife might have bought the dog leash. But conceivably, Wilson had heard some of these same explanations before from Myrtle. Because he began saying, oh, my God, again in a whisper. God, God, so God. So that I fully understand. Because that means Myrtle said the same lies that anyone could think of. So, like, Mickey Alice is like, oh, maybe she, like, has a friend who has a dog. Yeah. And what you could see Myrtle being like, oh, no, it's my my friend just got a dog. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's like, oh, like, these are, she didn't think too much about her backstory. Because literally just this guy at four in the morning is like, hey, maybe she said this or this or this or this. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, she was lying because, like, literally this guy was able to make him up with the same lies, like, right in front of me. Yeah, he murdered her. So uh, Wilson Yeah, then he killed her, said Wilson. His mouth dropped open suddenly. Yeah, Wilson's Wilson's on. He's on to him. One, crazy. (laughs) But two, right. Yeah. That's always such a funny thing when the crazy person is right. Because reasonably, Mickey Alice is right. It's like, that's a weird conclusion. To it's a car to. accident, yeah. Yeah, it's just a car but accident. But also the fact that Tom, I mean, right? I mean, like, did he suspect Tom? He suspects Gatsby, th- right? They say, in, yeah, uh, they say in the next chapter that Tom was like, hey, I had to tell him that it was Gatsby. <laughs> he was going to kill me. Yeah. Oof. Um, but let's see. Um, and, and Wilson says, I know. He said, definitely, I'm one of these trusting fellows, and I don't think any harm to nobody but when i get to know a thing i know it it was the man in that car she ran out to speak to him and he wouldn't stop oh boy and which is true it, it was when there was tom in the car yeah but definitely i was surprisingly smart insight from a man destroyed by grief yeah i know and this is one mickey ellis says mickey ellis had seen this too but it hadn't occurred to him that there was any special significance in it he believed that mrs wilson had been running away from her husband rather than trying to stop any particular car so those that's the two perspectives you could have about that moment. randomness or intentional She's running to the car and or she's running away uh, from with, and honestly we don't know okay yeah because it is dark she's trapped in uh yeah there was like some hint of like her trying to say something it looked like, like Gatsby said yeah. like i think she was trying to like get our attention yeah so um, she definitely but there is like a little bit of chance that it was the other way but yeah wilson's right again and then, and then this is a great line. Maybe you got some friend that I could telephone for, George. This was a forlorn hope. He was almost sure that Wilson had no friend. There was not enough of him for his wife. Oh, <laughs> uh, forlorn hope. 
Yeah, I wanted to point out this is the second time that hope is mentioned in, in as many chapters. Uh, last chapter, someone calls a doctor uh, with a kind of uh, a wild hope or something else like that. Let me grab that real quick. But like the fact that, you know, Wilson is the working class. He's a working class character. All he has is hope and it's always misplaced. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, the doctor who had been sent for in a wild hope half an hour ago. So a doctor came to try to save Myrtle's life, but she was long dead and yeah. it was just wild hope. So, um, Wilson is seen as having forlorn and wild hope and he's the working class guy. Yeah. But besides, besides Ferdy, he's the only, he's the only look we have into the uh, working class, who, who, you know, a name. We have the, with the thin, we have Ferdy, the butler with the nose, but Wilson, Wilson's, Wilson's the guy. And what happens to Wilson? He gets totally crapped on by the upper class in every conceivable way. Literally killed by Gatsby's car. Yeah. Wife stolen by Tom. Yeah. It's it's uh, real sad for Wilson. Yeah. Um, so here's another. So we had church, and then we have another God thing. I spoke to her, he muttered, after a long silence. I told her she, she might fool me, but she couldn't fool God. Yeah. He doesn't go to church. But he still believes in God. Oh, big time. I took her to the window. With an effort, he got up and walked to the rear window and leaned with his face pressed (laughs) against it. And I said, God knows what you've been doing. Everything you've been doing, you may fool me, but you can't fool God. Standing behind him, Mickey all saw with a shock that he was looking at the eyes of Dr. T.J. Eckelberg, which had just emerged pale and enormous from the dissolving night. God sees everything, repeated Wilson. That's an advertisement. Mickey (laughs) assured him. (laughs) <laughs> so that's like really funny he's like you're looking at a billboard you idiot that's not god but also high school english students literally wilson is looking at something and saying that is god that is so god. Yeah. there's lots of symbolism yeah in this. so back off but also i think that could also be a really cynical sentence from mickey alice like or like fitzgerald subtly being like God sees everything, and Mickey and Fitzgerald's being like, "Yeah, that's an advertisement they tell you. That's, that's not an advertisement. real. Advertising's not real." Yeah, God is advertising. Is that yeah? Mikhail's saying basically saying that God is advertising. God's just good, just good PR. Yeah, Gatsby's Gatsby's compared to an advertisement uh, on the hot day. Yeah, you look you cool look like, like a the cool man in the advertisement. Yeah. Um, but also, I just love this is once again Fitzgerald calling the shot. You know what I mean? Like, I'm the best rapper alive. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> literally, this is God, my man. <laughs> Like yeah, he once again it's like uh, these things—the green light, all that stuff—was explicitly like, hey, just so you know, this is, this is a symbol, dude. Mic drop. But yeah, also how terrifying of a moment for Myrtle was that when her crazed husband is yelling, "God is always watching. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what you're doing." <laughs> She's probably like, "Ugh, someone hit me with a car." Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, and then they traces what Wilson goes to. This that, that yeah this this sort of like. Rep- Read like a police report. This next section, right? Yeah. Tracing Wilson's movements. Yeah, his movements. He was on foot all the time, or afterward traced to Port Roosevelt and then to Gadge Hill, where he bought up a sandwich. Bought a sandwich. He didn't eat and a cup of coffee. He must have been tired and walking slowly, for he didn't reach Gadge Hill until noon. It's like you can see like a little map with like a dotted line on it. Yeah, but also this is too detailed. Where like the police aren't going to write down that he didn't eat a sandwich. Yeah, right. So, like, at this point, too, yeah, who are we getting this information from, Nick? That's got to be Nick tracing these steps. Nick's out there with a big old magnifying glass. Because also, like, the police aren't going to ask Wilson, like, Mickey Alice, like, hey, what do you think about this man? No, 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 wait, go back. Did you eat that sandwich? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what did he eat? Did he eat it? I know he bought it. Yeah, that's such a weird... Uh, Thus far, there was no difficulty in accounting for his time. There were boys who had seen a man acting sort of crazy. And motorists at whom he had stared oddly from the side of the He's road. He's got, like, witness quotes. This is such a police report. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Then for three hours, he disappeared from view. The police, on the strength of what he said to Mickey Ellis, that he had a way of finding out, supposed that he spent that time going from garage to garage there about inquiring for a yellow car. So the he this is a quote from the police. So this itself is not a police quote. Right. So this is all him, like, clinically researching. Yeah. So they, yeah, but like, yeah, they're, they suppose that he had a way of finding out where Gatsby's car was. Yeah. On the other hand, yeah. no garage man who had seen him ever came forward, and perhaps he had an easier, surer way of finding out what he wanted to know. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, yeah. 
by half past two, he was in Westgate where he asked someone the name, the way to Gatsby's house. So by that time, he knew Gatsby's name. At that point, he knew Gatsby's name. And then here it is. You can see this in slow motion. This it's beautiful. last moment yeah. of Gatsby. <laughs> so you could just see, just imagine like a sad, like a you know you ever watch Friday Night Lights the TV show? No, like, okay, but I get it. So, like they like a post rock <laughs> like soundtrack song playing. I was like, I pictured the um what the um what you say sketch from Saturday Night Dear yeah, Sister. Yeah. Um, what you say? Yeah, at two o'clock, Gatsby put on his bathing suit and left word with the butler that if anyone phone word was to be brought to him at the at the pool he stopped at the garage for a pneumatic mattress this is such a weird part that they they really spend time on the mattress (laughs) so he gets like a pool floaty thing to lay in that pool which in 1925 i was thinking like this is like uh you know advanced technology i mean like a a pool floaty was like they'd like stamp out rubber into like a mold and like someone like welded that thing together probably yeah uh he stopped at the garage for a pneumatic mattress that amused his guests during the summer, and the chauffeur helped him pump it up. Then he gave instructions that the open car wasn't to be taken out under any circumstances. And this was strange, because the right, the front right fender needed repair. Needed repair? Why? <laughs> Gatsby shouldered the mattress and started for the pool. Once he stopped and shifted it a little, and the chauffeur asked him if he needed help, but he shook his head and in a moment disappeared among the yellowing trees. So he has so much detail about... This the the only thing he doesn't have a lot of detail is the murder coming up. Yeah. But literally, he's like at that point, Gatsby like almost dropped the mattress, and the sh- the chauffeur's like, "Hey, you need any help?" And he's like, "No, no, no, no." No, I'm good. Which is, uh, none of, so none of this is something that anybody saw. Maybe the maybe the servant, the chauffeur, is reporting to Nick. Yeah. But like maybe but also that's a really detailed interview of the. He's you can see <laughs> Nick being like. What was that last moment like? Tell me everything. <laughs> okay, right. Is that what you're getting? Because I'm kind of getting this, where he's like, okay, I, I, like you want it to last as long as possible, right? He wants that. He wants he wants Gatsby, Gatsby's story to like linger here. Yeah. He, he can't stand to let it end. No telephone message arrived, but the butler went without his sleep and waited for it until four o'clock. So even the butler is like weirdly complicit in like his hope that Daisy will call. Yeah, the butler. Until long after there was anyone to give it to, if it came. I have an idea that Gatsby himself didn't believe it would come, and perhaps he no longer cared. If that was true, he must have felt that he had lost the old warm world and paid a high price for living too long with a single dream. That's his tragic flaw. That's why he's in the Greek. Paid the high price for living too long with a single dream. That's huge. That's Gatsby. Yep. That's also a great line about never have a single dream too long. Don't put your thing on the same basket. All eggs in the same basket. Bingo. There you go. He must have looked up at an unfamiliar sky through frightening leaves and shivered as he found what a grotesque thing a rose is and how raw the sunlight was upon the scarcely created grass. A new world, material without being real, where poor ghosts, breathing dreams like air, drifted fortuitously about, like that ashen, fantastic figure gliding toward him through the amorphous trees. My God, you could chew on that sentence. That's so terrifying. Ooh, baby. Wilson's literally covered in ash coming at him. Yeah. (laughs) This is funny. Wait, wait, before before that, um, I love the the idea of a new world material without being real. I think it totally, um, totally contradicts or like kind of like goes up against the uh, when he in in chapter six, he kind of realizes he calls it the unreality of reality. Yeah, that, that like it's all on a, a butterfly's wings or on something On a fairy like wing. Yeah, it's all built on the fairy wing. And so this is the exact opposite, right? This is material without being real. So there's no conception to it. There's no there's no more conception, yeah. but it is so real. Yeah, everything is too real now, and he can't comprehend it. Yeah, yeah, the reality, it's yeah, the unreality of reality. This is like the reality of reality. Yeah, yeah. And sorry, it's, buddy. It's not romantic at yeah. all. There's literally a guy coming to murder you. Yeah, this is cold, dark, ashen... The chauffeur, he was one of Wolfsheim's protégés, heard the shots. Afterward, he could only say that he hadn't thought anything much about them. That's such a gangster thing. Oh, yeah. You hear gunshots in the middle of a nice neighborhood in Long Island, and you're like, yeah, it's probably nothing. <laughs> I didn't hear nothing. But i not check it out. I mean, if Gatsby's your, uh, your guy, maybe you were worried about gunshots a little bit. I drove from the station directly to Gatsby's house, and my rushing anxiously up the front steps was the first thing that alarmed anyone. But they knew then, I firmly believe. With scarcely, with scarcely a word said, four of us, the chauffeur, butler, gardener, and I, hurried down to the pool. 
So these are the four people oh. that discover Nick's body. So Gatsby's body. Or yeah, Gatsby's Nick, body. So I, I didn't even put together Nick is Nick is there. Nick um Nick finds the body. Nick finds the body he's with the, the guys. He's the only one that's suspicious that something's gonna go wrong. Oh. Oh right. So the guy didn't hear heard gunshots and didn't didn't even like maybe I'll check out Mr. Gatsby outside. Yeah, the he gangster. literally didn't go check. No one heard the gunshots except for the chauffeur, and he was a gangster, so he didn't care about gunshots. I guess so. Yeah, I guess that seems a little shaky. But hey, there was a faint, barely perceptible movement of the water as the fresh flow from one end urged its way toward the drain of the other. So it's like, hey, blood's and it's making the water overflow. This is very filmic. I can't remember how this is done in the film, but I'd like to pay attention to I that. I don't know if you see the body in the film. You better. I want to see Leo shirtless, covered in blood, baby. Yeah. You should see the Revenant then. (laughs) (laughs) Seen it. Loved it. Uh, With little ripples, (laughs) there were hardly the shadow of waves. The laden mattress. It's a mattress again. (laughs) Moved. It's a pool toy, and it becomes one of the most important parts. Which is widely available at many retailers. (laughs) It's product placement. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Moved irregularly down the pool. A small gust of wind that scarcely corrugated the surface was enough to disturb its accidental course with its accidental burden. Beautiful. The touch of a cluster of leaves uh, revolved it, slowly tracing, like the leg of a transit, a thin red circle in the water. Ooh. So the leaves did fall in the pool. So the gardener was right. (laughs) Don't go in this pool. There's going to get leaves. The point of the chapter is the gardener was right. Yes. It was after we started with Gatsby toward the house that the gardener saw Wilson's body a little way off in the grass. And the Holocaust was complete. Wow. No. Go ahead. Do you th- so Wilson killed himself. Wilson killed himself. That's obvious to me. It wasn't like Gatsby fired back. I mean, Wilson killed himself. He's nuts. He's got no hope. The whole thing's that makes sense. All he wanted to do is kill Gatsby before he make. I mean, that makes sense to me that he killed himself. Is there any question to that? No, but it's just, it's just kind of. Even though he's distraught, I didn't, like he seemed like such a weak man that one he couldn't kill anyone, and yeah. two he couldn't kill himself. He was described as not even enough for his wife. There's yeah. nothing left. Nothing that he left had of the him. guts to kill Gatsby, kind of thing. It's kind of wild. Interesting. Um, but also, I looked up. He chose the word Holocaust. Holocaust, a very different context, pre-Holocaust. Yes, pre-Holocaust. Uh, it's a Jewish ceremony of burning something as like ritual sacrifice. So literally, Gatsby and Wilson are a Holocaust to this like old money continuing its ways. They're a sacrifice to, yeah, the rich. To right? Tom and Daisy. Yeah, Tom and Daisy. They're Tom and Daisy's, like, here's the bodies... So that we can go on and be continue to be ourselves. It's almost like yeah, like uh, like Tom and Daisy are like Greek gods and this Greek tragedy. It's like they learn, may, they might learn something, but they they're too powerful to learn anything. They they're have no too consequences. powerful for consequences. Yeah, no consequences. So you can't huge. really learn anything without consequences. And I think I think I think uh, Nick gets a little bit upset about that exact sort of thing next chapter, right? Something yes. like that. Something about like well, he, he says they're a rotten crowd, so he's never well. He's already there. Yeah, he's already there, but he kind of he kind of um like he, elucidates it. Yeah, he uh, talks about it exactly right. He uh, points out. You know the fact that they don't have it; they can do whatever they want, and no consequences. But even for even for Gatsby, he's not protected by this amazing, you know, aristocracy bubble, and he he dies. Yeah, they but they they're both he's sacrificed. He's accessible. He was able to be killed by just a working class guy. Right. Oof. A working class guy could just walk into his backyard and kill him. So the working class lonely man killed the American dream. What's the what, where where are we yeah. at with the symbolism here? Yeah. So Gatsby's the American dream of making you something out of yourself. Uh, Wilson is a failed American dream, a failed businessman. Yeah, Wilson's the cold reality of the American dream failed. Yeah, so the cold reality of the American dream kills the hope of the American dream. Yes. And then kills itself. And then kills itself, yeah. Right, so, right. It's, it, it pointlessly s- slaughters the hope that is Gatsby. Gatsby represents eternal hope, you know, like... Uh, hope and that ambition. you can make something of yourself and get what you want in Yes. America. And... Social mobility... Yes. Um, all that stuff. And Nick just represents trying to be happy with some sort of middle ground. <laughs> <laughs> Nick represents something. I don't know. Yeah, Nick is... Uh, I don't know. what Nick is probably the most complex person in this whole book. For sure. Nick is a protagonist. Yeah, he's the protagonist, really, of him growing. Like, he lit- literally, that last chapter, he's like, I'm 30, I'm too old. Oh, no, that's the next chapter. He says a great line yeah. about being... Too old to lie to yourself and call it honor. Next chapter. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I should get that tattooed on my dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say body because that's stupid. Yeah, I'm 30. I can't. Come on. <laughs> I'm an adult. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Go ahead. No, what yeah. So this is like, this is it. Gatsby's yeah. dead. Gatsby's dead. The, the great Gatsby's now the dead Gatsby. The okay, dead Gatsby. 
Too bad. He is mortal. Yeah. He starts out as a myth and then fails and dies. Yeah. And Nick sees the body. Wow. He's the he knows there's a body there. So how Nick knew That's weird how how much Nick knew to check. Cuz he was like really worried. And like that's like too insightful of Nick to be like Wilson's going to kill Gatsby. <laughs> yeah, cuz he doesn't know all this stuff that he he knows once he's describing the chapter. He doesn't know that stuff at the at the moment. Cuz he's not worried about Tom killing Gatsby. Cuz Tom wouldn't do that. Tom won. Yeah. He doesn't go over to right. He's, and he's not worried, not worried about, Tom. about Gatsby killing himself. No, but he he wants to be with Gatsby. I mean, like he went over there first thing that morning. So basically the timeline of that day is he goes over there at four in the morning. He's there he's there for five hours. He's like, I gotta go to work. He goes to work late. He calls Jordan Baker. He dumps her. <laughs> he leaves early on the three fifty train. He's at work for like three, four hours. This guy's like what is it? Where does he work? Uh so, so yeah, okay. And he's back he comes straight back to Gatsby's place and discovers the body. Yeah, so maybe like at the very least, like maybe he's just trying to be a good breakup buddy because he's obsessed with Gatsby. I, don't I mean, know. he's there. Yeah, he wants more of that stuff. I guess. I mean, like, but the point is, yeah, he's like he's totally on Gatsby's side. They're all rotten except for you. Um, so he doesn't care about what Daisy and them do anymore. I mean, like they're not call- answering his calls. Didn't he call him? Or he? They didn't uh, call. No, that's the next chapter. They did not call him. Yeah. Yeah. They're waiting for a call. Maybe Gatsby was hoping for a call. Didn't get one. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, what do you make of this so far? Um. It's just like Fitzgerald knows what he wanted to do. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to create this fascinating character, and then I'm going to kill him. Yeah. He's going to be very fun, very interesting, both a metaphor and flesh and blood. And then I will make you love him, and then I will get rid of him. Yeah. And that's just like good writing. That's like you make bad things happen to people that – to characters you care about and yeah and we care about gatsby and he's also symbolic it's it's crazy how it's a it's a good story period so it's a good it's got a, so much symbolism like there's all these levels to it like the thing about like the american dream being killed by the you know by the working class or the working class killing the american you know yeah that the realities of the american dream killing the the few stories <laughs> of boot uh, bootstrap people yeah 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 Gatsby's a bootstrapper yeah yeah <laughs> but also like yeah literally every part of it is like well fleshed out characters interacting with each other, yeah. So ne- at never point does it feel like, like every once in a while there's a two dimensional or one dimensional character, but the main crew is pretty three dimensional. Dynamic, yeah. Thanks and to Nick. Nick helps. Nick helps flesh them all out. Like, hey, this is what this person kind of is is functioning this way. Jordan Maker cares about this. Daisy cares about this. Tom cares about this. So you could see that Nick is telling this story because it's first person. So he lived it. So he was enough of a dramatic story that he wanted to tell it. So it's a story that this guy is presumably telling someone. Yeah. Uh, so what actually happened was important and good, and you could just track the real things that happened, and it's a good story. Yeah. And then you track all the little metaphors and details and, and layers. Wow. And yeah. And it's a and even it's a very, very rich, perfect story. And this last chapter, I'm so excited to read the last chapter because – Listen, I'm just gonna draw all over some of that language. I don't care. Like, I'm gonna, just, I'm just, I'm gonna do it. I don't care. I'm, I'm not gonna be cynical about it. I'm just gonna be. There's gonna be. It's gonna be covered in drool, soaking wet, Kev. Yeah, it's. Oh. This is like basically this is the end of the novel, and then Fitzgerald is just like, now let me do a little victory. Lap. Yeah. <laughs> and he runs a beautiful victory lap. It's like the yeah, like the team like shooting around after the game or something. I don't know. It's like something like. Half court shots, sinking them, like just beautiful poetic phrases, perfectly summarizing. Like he want he wants to be he wants it to be symbol symbolic. He he knows he knows about the images. Like it's like he's it's like paint by numbers, paint by numbers novel. Yeah. He want he knew what he every sentence works as its own sentence. Yeah, every character works as their own character. Yeah. every plot point except for the weird switching card thing works as its own plot point. Sure, and then every metaphor works wonderful and all of it is saying stuff about america that had never been put this beautifully before of course it's put beautifully but also like after he puts it beautifully he's like hey in case you missed that uh the green light is a symbol for everything gatsby wants just so you know okay (laughs) 
Like, hey, listen up. This is why there's a reason this is like a freshman year English text. Yeah, you could give it to high school kids because the symbolism is right there. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's. But you know, I you, the temptation is to call it call it like too simple, the like or too uh, to overt, heavy handed symbolism. Yeah, and I guess that could be uh, a critique. But honestly, it's like he lets you discover it, and then he just like tells you like, no, yeah, you see it. That was you got uh, it right. Yeah, it's like like a chef <laughs> explaining like what he made. Like, okay, you're gonna get the lemon now. Like a little bit of like a little bit of citrus and salty there or whatever like describing and, the dish yeah and just because something's simple doesn't mean it's not good no i mean obviously the great Gatsby is simple how many million complicated novels are actually bad they're just too complicated to know they're bad <laughs> part of the art form is yeah it's a communicative art form right so he's communicating these these things just perfectly and uh yeah the end is great and how many things did we notice just on closer reading about yeah. guys that I've read this book a lot and I, like care yeah. about it. And it's been right. And it's been, Oh, such a, such a pleasure. I finished it yesterday morning and I, uh, I just had a great morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I thought about America a lot. And, uh, you and, know. Yeah, and that's the thing is that this book is still relevant. Like hugely he called it hugely relevant And right before, even this was before the depression, before the depression, before world war two, before the cold war, this was in a boom year. Like this was stock market was up. Pre-depression, yeah. Pre, I'm sorry to even go over that. Pre-depression, yeah. And he was like, "We're all heading for something terrible." Yeah, he knows this can't last. I can't believe it. Right, it's aged so well. Yeah, it's it's a classic for a reason. Yeah. Um, there's thousands of books written every year, uh, published every year. I'd even say t- uh, hundreds of thousands. Yeah. And maybe about. A thousand of them are trying to be the next great American novel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and nothing has beat, in, at least on modern libraries' eyes, it's number two. And the f- number one is Ulysses, which is an Irish novel, so it doesn't count. Hey, yeah, it's too complicated. <laughs> like, nothing has surpassed this as, like, great novel, great insight, great metaphors, great social critique. Like, it has it all. Yeah, man, and it's funny, and it's poignant, and the characters are great, and it it reveals the human experience in very little very little ways. Nick Carraway is so empathetic that you get like a lot of great human experience stuff. So, like one of the downfalls of like a very symbolic novel might be that you these characters lose their depth as people. They're not yeah. people anymore because they've become the American dream. If they've it's become like, right, old money, right, new money. Yeah, exactly. But these people get a full shrift. They get a they get a full they get a full you know personality and story and so much of it was how similar Gatsby and Tom really were yeah be- that's a, that's a, that's beautiful in itself right I mean Tom's bigger more muscles he's bulky he was it uh, wholesomely bulksome wholesomely bulk- <laughs> no that's not right wholesome bulk something like that <laughs> I was like oh boy <laughs> wholesome bulkiness or something yeah yeah I mean those are the things that made that one writer think that uh, Nicaro is definitely gay <laughs> yeah. describing all the uh, bulkiness of uh, Tom yeah but like. Yeah, this book's funny. There's so many good jokes in it. There's so many sad lines. Like, yeah. It does it all. To be so funny and so poignant is, uh, you know, it's exactly what uh, every <laughs> every uh, smart comedian wants to be, you know? Yeah. No, um, it's, it's great. And uh, next episode, we'll talk about the last chapter and what a yeah. home run that is. It's great. You really, like, land a plane with this. He let, like, beautiful, like... Or I guess the gymnast is what the stick the landing. Stuck the landing. <laughs> yeah. I always thought it was about planes. He landed land. the plane. You know, you, the plane lands and it just sticks right there. Not even. He sticks this landing so hard. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, <clears> so yeah, stick around for that. Thank you for listening uh, I, so far. And I'm excited for the next chapter. I think it's gonna, like it'll give us a chance to kind of like also do our own victory lap of like, look, this is how great this novel was. Like it's because because <laughs> Gerald lets us do it. This podcast. <laughs> yeah, in this podcast. Don't forget all the great moments. We'll have a clip show <laughs> after this, uh, you know, to yeah. do all the great moments. Um, but, yeah, yeah thanks I'll, for listening. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, so, as always, you can catch us at the Lincoln Lodge. The Lincoln Lodge, and America's longest-running independent yeah. stand-up comedy show. Yeah, and then uh, you can find us on our social media. Mine is just a number name, Kevin Lopkovich. My name is Terrence Hartnett, and I'm on Instagram as Ha Hartnett. I'm always dropping hot stories. Yeah, he is. his stories are great. Check yeah. him out. I saw some deer today. Oh. Check it out. In a graveyard. I didn't even mention the graveyard part in the story. Oh, is that a metaphor? <laughs> uh, yeah, my life is all a metaphor. I'm Gatsby. <laughs> all right, but uh, that's been uh, was episode eight of uh, episode eight. the OK Gatsby. So thank you guys very much. I'll see you for nine.